Welcome to the special at-home edition of Jat Chat today, presented by the Journal of Athletic Training, the official journal of the National Athletic Trainers Association. The purpose of today's event is to provide an open forum for athletic trainers and other healthcare professionals to ask questions and discuss the recently published companion manuscripts, Development of a Peer Education Program to Improve Connection concussion knowledge and reporting in collegiate athletes and randomized controlled trial of a novel concussion education program for collegiate athletes. Today I'm joined by two of the manuscripts authors, Dr. Meredith Neville from LaSalle University and Dr. William Ernst from Chestnut Hill College. My guest athletic training clinician today is, is Mr. Brendan Connell the head athletic trainer at Panoma High School. At this point, I would like to introduce Meredith, Bill, and Brendan. Thank you guys for taking the time to meet with me today. Thanks for having us, Kara. Thanks for having us. So first, um, I would like to ask Meredith and Bill, how did you guys get involved in this research? And tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Sure. So my, my background, um, I'm a clinical neuropsychologist. Uh, I had the, the very, played at a very high level up until high school. <laughs> so it's sports, basketball mainly. So I have some athletic background, but not nearly uh, at the level of a collegiate athlete. Um, and also I've coached youth sports. Um, so those things kind of all came together to kind of inform my, my outlook on concussion, concussion education. And in terms of what was the main impetus for our work, our developing the program and the, the national RCT, that was the Mind Matters Educational Programs Challenge from the NCAA and the DOD. Um, as you're probably aware, they were calling for innovative programs to help change the culture of concussion, mainly programs that might be able to increase concussion reporting and safety. So myself and Meredith started thinking a lot about, well, what might we do in terms of developing a proposal? How could we approach this? Um, and then we were very fortunate to have the athletic trainer at the time at Chestnut Hill College, one of them, Brendan Connell, join in with us. He kind of came into it, I think, uh, somewhat blindly. And uh, we, we talked him into it. And he ended up being a tremendous asset in terms of having an athletic trainer you know, who's working with athletes on a daily basis. And he really helped us develop and implement the program. Yeah, that's fantastic. Bill um, and I have been working together for quite some time on a number of different projects. And um, we had a strong track record of good, solid research and a good, solid research relationship. And Bill approached me and said, do you want to work on this together? And I said, yeah, let's sit down and talk about what we could possibly do together. And um, we came up with a, a really nice idea. And really, a lot of it was Bill's idea. Um, and we we brought Brendan and we brought some other um, strong leaders at the college together who uh, were all in. And they said, absolutely, this is a great idea. Let's work on this together. And um, the college, Chestnut Hill College, had, um, had great buy-in right from the beginning, worked really well together to do it. And um, and they they were really supportive. And that supportive um, interprofessional team, I think, was one of the, the reasons that it was, was very successful. Yeah. Just if I could elaborate briefly on that point, you know, one of the nice things that, about being at a small college um, is I could literally knock on the door of the athletic director and who I know, you know, because there isn't, you know, thousands of faculty and staff and say, hey, um, at the time it was uh, Lynn Tubman, who's now the athletic director up at Muhlenberg College. And I said, Lynn, I have an idea. What do you think? And she goes, sounds great. Anything that's going to take care of our athletes, I'm in. And then I also met with uh, Dr. Lenore Talley, our vice president of student life. Um, and I said, you know, actually in the cafeteria, I said, Lynn, hey, uh, I have an idea. What do you think? She's like, let's do it. So it, it was really, you know, a lot of buy-in institutionally straight away. Um, and, and you were asking about backgrounds, you know, Meredith, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her into this is she's a biopsychologist. So 
she can kind of bring that neuroscience lens in and she's an excellent methodologist as well in terms of research. So, you know, it's like, all right, who's going to make me look extra good? So Meredith was one person. And then we were so lucky to get Brendan. Thank you. Now, Brendan, Brendan, tell us a little bit about how you got brought into all of this and um, where did it really start and how did you feel like you influenced the project? Sure. Um, yeah, just with working at Chestnut Hill College, it's a really, you know, it's a really tight knit community. Um, it's a school of athletes and, and, um, you know, it looked like a great opportunity for one, uh, for me to learn in a, in a research project, um, as well as, you know, put our athletes at the forefront of making sure that their, their health and their care is just treated with the best knowledge at hand. Um, so I was all about that from the get go. Um, and you know, just getting to know people in different departments on the, at the college was a great experience and I'm forever thankful for them to invite me in and, and have me be a part of this. So it was really, really a great experience. So one of the things that's really unique about this program that you um, t- discuss in the two companion manuscripts is that it's a peer education program. So why why have a peer education program? So that's a good question. Um, if you look at the landscape of concussion education, what you tend to see are a lot of programs that we would define as top-down programs. Um, you have an expert like a neurologist, an athletic trainer, for example, providing a seminar to uh, a sports team or a sports medicine physician, um, or you have an expert organization like the Centers for Disease Control or the NCAA providing the educational materials. And that's certainly a, a, a fine approach. It's important. And those approaches have helped improve concussion knowledge and awareness. Absolutely. But the, the question that remained um, in terms of the effectiveness of those types of programs uh, is, do they really change the culture of within a sports team and within a sports program and and namely do they increase reporting behavior safety and i think there's a pretty uh, strong consensus not only in the literature but among these major organizations that that was an area that really needed some additional um, work and support so we decided let's approach this from a different angle let's um look at it instead of top down let's look at it bottom up grassroots and let's kind of, you know, meet the top-down programs from the bottom up and just come at it another way. And through our own experiences athletically and and coaching and and working with, you know, athletes, um, you know, we thought the best vehicle here is going to be the peer, the the teammates themselves, peers delivering the educational material with appropriate guidance and supervision and support. And, you know, there's a, a very lengthy robust literature around social observational learning. You know, we, we tend to imitate or want to aspire to those we admire, those that are similar to us um, in whatever endeavor that we're involved in. Um, so we figured, well, let's let's harness that and let's harness the, the, the power of the team dynamics. Um, and, you know, people tend to listen to their peers and there's a pretty rich literature too around peer mediated or peer intervention programs having success with lots of different populations. So that came, that, that was the main idea. And, and the last thing I'll say there was we really felt we needed something that was going to engage the student athletes. We really wanted them to actually do something, not just sit there and listen um, and, and, you know, review fact sheets and videos. And again, those approaches are important that they, they help increase knowledge and awareness, but we really wanted to engage them. And what better way to engage them is have them led by their peers actually doing things. Thank you, Bill. Now, Meredith, can you give us a little bit of an overview of how the program was created? How it was, um, how it was, we, um, We we developed the program with um, multiple steps. So the first thing that we did was we actually created a focus group in which we took our men's lacrosse team and our women's soccer team, and we asked them what was the culture of concussion on campus. And it, from that focus group, we 
under we we came to understand really what was going on and and that focus group then led us to really understand okay what was really needed on campus and from that from those results we then started to develop the educational materials that were needed those educational materials then we took and we used um, our our peers in the, the student athletes and we we put those educational materials that we developed in front of them and we said, okay, now we, we have these educational materials. What is your feedback from that? Brendan was with us, Bill and I had those educational materials and we had them give us feedback and say, you know, how's this working? And they, they gave us a lot of feedback. We modified those materials um, and we trained the student athletes with that material and they presented those materials to their, their peers. Um, So, um, I can, Eric, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It was, Mike was muted. So thank you because those, um, the two companion pieces do a really great job of introducing both the theoretical background and a going in depth into the description. So if anybody's interested, they really should look at those. Um, my next question is for you, Brendan, and how did this peer education program fit into what you were already doing at Chestnut Hill? Sure. It, it only expanded on it. Um, so we always, you know, it's uh, mandated by the NCAA that uh, athletes get a uh, an education on concussion. And we, we show that video for 10, 15 minutes at, at preseason. And this just expands on it. And that's more of a passive way. Like, you know, you're in a room, you're watching a video, you're getting education, you know, are you really engaged? Who knows? You're, you know, maybe you're an incoming freshman and, and you got a million other things on your mind. Uh, you know, where's my dorm, <laughs> you know, how am I going to, how am I going to adjust the college life? Like there's millions of things going through your head. This is a cool way for, uh, someone on your team, someone that you're already interacting with. And they're like, Oh, well he, he or she cares about it. I, I want to care about this too. So it's way more interactive, uh, for them to get together and, and discuss these things. Um, and you know, how concussions happen, how it's treated and, um, you know, what's the return to play protocol and why, why we do it. Um, so I was there for the peer educators to answer any questions in regards to the, uh, to the return to play process. Um, you know, the importance of, you know, avoiding a second head and second head injury when you already have one and, you know, uh, just being an advocate for their health and being, being there for any sort of interaction or any questions that they may have. Um, so I thought that was really an important aspect of it. It's like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get together. We're going to do two meetings together as a team. And, and we're going to talk about this because, you know, we're a community, we're a family, and we want to take care of each other. And I think that was the biggest thing that I took away from it. And um, yeah, uh, that was probably the most important part of this whole thing for me, anyways. <laughs> Thank you. So how did you guys select these peers that would then lead the peer education program? So we, um, I can start with this, and I'd be curious to hear about Brendan, Brendan's response, because he was part of that process directly. But the basic idea is a committee is formed between one of the coaches and, at the, and the athletic trainer that, that serves a given team. Uh, and we also like to have uh, an administrator in athletics or sports medicine as part of that three-person selection committee, uh, mainly uh, to just help facilitate any types of organizational things that need to occur. Um, and then they meet and they decide who are these two people going to be. One needs to be an underclassman and the other an upperclassman. So that way, when the upperclassman graduates, you have that continuity of the underclassman moving into the more senior role. Um, and the attributes that we look for are, one, they need to be solid students academically. Um, obviously, they need to have good leadership capabilities. Um, they also need to be, in terms of the athletic capability and social standing, they need to be solid. They don't have to be the star or a captain, but they should be someone that's solidly in the mix in terms of socially and, and their athletic capabilities. And then obviously have 
uh, positive attitudes around health in general and concussion in particular. Um, so those are some of the attributes we look for. Our, in our experience, we've implemented this at Chestnut Hill for about five years now. When we get to the selection, usually right away, and I'm not involved in that. Um, it's the committee that I just mentioned. Um, right away, within maybe five minutes, they know who these folks are. You know, the coaches, the athletic trainers, they know their teams, those players well. So I don't know if Brendan wants to elaborate on any of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so right on point with that, Bill, um, you know, I remember interacting with the coaches and, you know, really getting input from the athletic director and the coaches as well. And having, uh, I was there for about two years uh, when this uh, program was starting up. And so I had already known the athletes and, you know, it, it is like, you know, your daily interaction with those athletes, you get to know who they are, what their character is. And, you know, immediately those coaches are like, Hey, this guy would be, or this girl would be a great fit um, for your program because they, they may not be the team captain, but they, they are somebody that the whole team looks up to. Um, and that's, that's a huge aspect of this as well. Uh, somebody that you don't mind for 45 minutes to an hour, them going through this presentation and, and being like, Hey guys, this is important. Let's, let's just kind of get after it right now. And I think that is the, the main thing is that it's, it's being presented by somebody that's on the field with you in the classroom with you, um, you know, hanging out at social events and everything like that. Uh, that, that is, so it's, that's not somebody just coming in, no zero experience with them. They're going through the same, um, they're on the same path as you going through college and going through collegiate athlete, athletics and everything. So I think that was just, you know, we wanted to find people that, um, you know, we're, we're serious about doing this and just had the right character and demeanor to, to take on a task like this. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit more about the program itself and how did the program go about trying to change that culture, create that shift and enforce um, concussion disclosure? So, I think there's, oh, go ahead, Meredith. That's okay. I think that, you know, it's, it's very hard to say that we could change the culture itself. Um, we certainly made some movement in the things that we measured. Um, but I think to, to, to make an overarching statement that we changed culture would be, um, too bold of us to be honest with you, but we definitely made a change in, in the things that we measured. Um, so we measured a number of different outcomes. Um, we measured knowledge, knowledge of concussion symptoms, knowledge of the return to play protocol, which Brendan was instrumental in helping us, um, formulate. Um, and then we measured um, all of the outcomes that are related to the theory of planned behavior and theory of reasoned action, which I can certainly explain. Um, we also measured a number of outcomes that are related to reporting behavior and looking at how people report and report their concussions and saw a lot of movement on that. Um, everything that we measured, so we measured at uh, before we implemented the program, immediately after we implemented the program, and then one month later, and all of those things changed with the implementation of the program and remained um, high after one month. So we're, we were pretty happy to see those changes, not only change after the implementation, but hold steady for, for that you know, length of time that we had the study going uh, with the implementation of the, the program as compared to our control group. Um, but again, I, I don't think we would say that we you know, change the culture of concussion. I think um, in order for us to say that, we would really want to see it played out on many more campuses for a lot longer and and get the sense from the athletic trainers. I think that's where we would see uh, and feel, I think, more uh, a sense from, of change in culture. Bill, did you want to add to that? I would just say, you know, I think that that certainly is a, a great summary. And in terms of how we try to do it, it I think it gets back to the peer mediated model, you mm -hmm. know, really trying to work from within a team, having team leaders say, Hey guys, you know what? Or Hey gals, we're not going to hide it anymore. And you're not letting the team down by reporting. You're helping the team 
by getting off the field and getting back when you're safe and 100%. And if you're worrying about losing playing time, which is what almost all of them worry about, um, you're going to probably lose a lot of time if you don't talk to coach because he or she's just going to think you're not playing well if you're a little dizzy or, you know, your, your concentration is off. So let them know what's going on with you so we can have someone like Brendan you know, or someone like yourself, Kara, work them through the protocol and get them back safe quickly. So, you know, it's just that kind of peer interaction. Um, And the other thing I think that's really unique about our program, we use a cognitive behavioral model of change where the athletes actually list the thoughts that keep them from reporting and they change those thoughts that might increase their reporting. So we're hoping that that, and Meredith always uses this term, uh, pre-arms them with Mm -hmm. a thought process of, you know what, this isn't in my best interest or my team to hide it. It's actually in my best interest to report it. They have that, that schema now in their head. Um, And then we hope, and and we don't only focus on reporting yourself. We focus on reporting one's teammate, you know, and that's a hard thing. Um, But what are, what are the barriers that they have around that? And they, we have another worksheet about reporting your teammate that they do in one of the education modules. And they're discussing this as a team as well. So now they're all talking about it as a team, like, oh yeah, I don't want to report you uh, because I'm afraid you're going to be really angry with me. And then, but, you know, someone else might say, well, yeah, but you're actually kind of looking out for me, right? You know, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be Pollyannish about this, you know, especially if things get more competitive, you know, we're not under the impression that, the team's all going to hold hands together and, you know, before the game and after the game, and we're going to report our concussions. Hooray. Um, we don't really uh, think that's going to happen with every team and every athlete, but we do think this will move the needle to get them thinking about it and, and creating a norm where the norm is the accepted norm is that you do talk to the athletic trainer or the coach, not only when you're concerned about yourself, but when you're concerned about your teammates. So that's what we hope um, are the mechanisms that change the culture from within the team. And then with the coaches and the athletic trainers buying in, obviously the athletic trainers are all already majorly on board with this. Um, but with the coaches too, getting them to kind of get more on board with this, set the tone from, from the top. Yeah. One of the things that was really striking to me about this, um, your work was the change in language, um, can you guys talk a little bit more about specifically how you try to change the language around concussion? When you say the language, are you talking about the reporting, you know, the barriers that athletes? uh... Well, you had a few tables in the manuscript that specifically took this negative language uh, towards and then just flipped it around. Um, Tell us more about that. Um, um, Go ahead, Meredith. That's okay. I think Bill just sort of in in the last part of what he was saying really did touch on what I think is very unique about this particular piece that um, I don't think we've seen a lot in other things. And that is the teammate piece of it Mm -hmm. um, is that we really had a focus, particularly in the second part of the educational piece, which was focusing on um, really helping your teammate. So there's an educational component where we have the student athletes identify, and Bill was explaining this before, identify here are thoughts and cognitions that would prevent me from reporting my concussion and thoughts that would prevent, that would enhance me reporting my concussions. And then we have them also do that for their teammate. Here's what would prevent me from, from reporting what I think might be happening with my teammate. And here's thoughts that would pre-arm me to help me report my teammate. And we have, we've analyzed those and looked at, you know, what are the themes around that? And there are things that we would expect. And and Bill was alluding to these earlier. Um, If I report my concussion, then I'm going to lose playing time. I'm going to lose my spot on the team. Those are things that we know and we've seen in the literature before. Um, But we also found some surprising things. And some of the surprising things were, what were the things that pre-arm us or pre-arm our student athletes to help them to report? And the things that pre-arm them are things like, um, if I report, I'm going to save my brain in the short term as well as the long term. They are thinking about their long-term health, the long-term health of their brain, but not just for themselves, but also for their teammate. If I report my teammate's concussion, I'm going to 
be helping them with their long-term health. They're going to be able to have a family. They're going to be able to have, um, they're not going to be disabled later on long-term down the road. And I, I think that maybe some of the things that you're talking about in terms of the language that, that we were really sort of addressing that, that came out of this, which was, you know, really interesting. It, it, it is. And, you yeah. know, another quick example, you know, when you look at the, the literature on barriers to reporting concussion, what comes up a lot across studies with high school and collegiate athletes, and we found this in our own research is, if I report my concussion, I'll lose my spot. So um, when we did the piloting of this program and data from our national RCT of it, um, that was one that came up a lot. Um, and we're not coming up with that. The student athletes are. They're writing that on the worksheet. We're currently working on manuscripts, doing a qualitative analysis of the worksheets. And then they change the thought themselves. And one of the changes for that particular one was, um, if I report my concussion, I'll come back stronger and retain my spot. Okay. Um, and what's really cool is they're developing some of their own educational material. We're not saying to them, okay, everybody, here are the thoughts that might get you not to report, and here are the thoughts that might get you to report. This is coming from them. So now you have uh, possibly uh, gender, uh, sport, uh, institution-specific kind of uh, uh, language, to use your term, Kara, that they're developing, which is probably going to be more effective because it's it's germane to their to themselves and their team and their setting, um, and and you know in our online manual we have exemplars um, from our pilot um, that you can go into not only barriers to reporting self and how that language change but teammates too. One of the ones on the teammate reporting worksheet that the athletes came up with was and this came up a lot. My friend wants to keep playing and he will be mad if I report him. Uh, and that gets changed to that athlete changed it to um, I am protecting him and he will be better when he comes back. So just kind of getting that shift of yeah, thinking yeah. if you in line with cognitive behavioral theory and intervention that hopefully will spur a change in in behavior. And one of the most uh, important to, things, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. One of the most important things about that component of the how the program works is that that part of the program is done with the team and with peer concussion educators alone, not with an athletic trainer, not with a neuropsychologist, not with anybody else. The team does it by themselves. So it's organic and it's done without anybody else there. And, and that was done intentionally. And that happens so that they really develop those cognitions by themselves and we don't interfere at all. Go ahead, Brandon. I didn't want, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's totally fine. I was just going to add to the, you know, the changing of the language. Like anytime we have an athlete step into the training room or, or, um, you know, they're having an injury, they, they have a problem that they need, need addressed. Um, you know, or if it's a season, season ending injury, uh, you got to turn that negative thought into a positive one. Um, they need to stay, you know, you set little goals as you, as you go through a rehab process so that they can hit and you celebrate those things. Um, that helps with getting them in the right mindset. It gets them out of that negative headspace. Um, and you know, that's just a great practice for almost any aspect of life. And, and this just adds very much to the injury and recovery process and especially for concussions. And I certainly didn't want any athlete to ever feel like a rat, like they're ratting out their teammate. I'm like, Hey, you, you're not evaluating that. You're not shutting them down. You're reporting an incident that happened. You're, you're reporting a concussive event. It's my job to evaluate. And, and that's it. Like, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. And, I also like to equate it to, you know, I worked a lot with the baseball team at Chestnut Hill and, and when a pitcher, the pitcher catcher dynamic of, Hey, the pitcher's not hitting his spots. I think there's something wrong with his arm, you know, Hey, let's shut it down. Let's talk to the coach. We'll rehab it and we'll get you back onto the field. Um, very much the same with the concussion where, you know, your teammates and your coaches may see a drop in performance and, you know, I think that needs to be addressed where it's like, hey, can you check them out? Like something's going on, you know, let's just take a look at it. And that's that's what it is. You know, it's it's just a conversation where, you know, we want to we want to just look out 
for you and make sure that you're giving 100% to your team and not 50%. So what changes did you see, Brendan? Did you see this almost immediately changing and how did it affect your clinical practice? Uh, it was really, it was really great to interact with some of the, uh, with the pure concussion educators. And I did have an, you know, a little anecdotal story where I had one of the pure concussion educators come to me and like, Hey, can you, can you take a look at this kid and, you know, just see what's going on with them. And, uh, lo and behold had a concussion and, you know, we were able to treat and, and keep them off the field to prevent further injury. So, um, and in no way was that pure concussion educator looked down upon or talked negative about or anything like that, um, which was great. And that was just one story um, that I do have. And I was like, also, anytime someone comes in and reports an injury, I'm like, hey, I'm proud of you for doing the right thing and like taking care of yourself. Um, so like you just re- reinforce what they're doing. Um, and just saying, Hey, you're doing the right thing. Uh, I know this isn't fun. It's not, you know, you, you, you're an athlete you want to be out on the field and I want to get you back there. Um, so that's, that's just where we come in and we just try to interact with them and just be that positive cheerleader for them and just be like, Hey, we're here to help you. And that's it. So let's talk about the other key players in this and administrating coaching staff and even the athletes themselves. What kind of feedback did you guys get from those other key players in this? You know, uh, recently, Kara, I, each year we, we plan on, you know, when we're going to, you know, do the, the program, you know, and I meet with our director of athletics, uh, who now is uh, Jesse Balser and Again, uh, Lynn Artelli, our vice president for student life, and our, our athletic trainers, one of our athletic trainers, Denise Wisneski, um, she's um, heavily involved in the program now. And uh, during that meeting, we just kind of talk about, you know, informally, you know, hey, how's it working? What's going on? And the athletic trainers do report an uptick in, in and this is anecdotal, obviously, but an uptick in the number of reports that are taking place. Um and the coaches, too. The coaches, you know, sometimes will um, make comments around, yeah, there's definitely more awareness right now. And, and that's always good to hear. I mean, obviously, these aren't scientific findings. Um, one of the things that really struck out, uh, stood out when I spoke with our, our athletic director, Jesse, um, he's like, you know, Bill, a couple of the peer educators came up to me and they thanked me for selecting them. They, they really liked being in that leadership role. They felt it was important and they felt it was an honor that they're being charged with a, a pretty challenging assignment, you know, to help, you know, look after the safety and, and work with the athletic trainer. So um, that tends to be the feedback that I get. And um, it's one of the unintended consequences that I didn't even consider um, when we were doing this was the potential to develop leadership skills. And um, when we presented this program to uh, our uh, sport the commission, and I, I'm blanking on it. Brendan, you might remember the uh, athletic league that, that Chestnut Hill plays in. Um, but when we presented it to, that, to the league and the league commissioner, you know, he pulled me aside and he said, Bill, did you really consider, you know, there's a really nice leadership piece to this? And I said, no, you know, I, thanks for putting that out. I hadn't, hadn't even thought of that. So, um, Anyway, we, we think that that's going to be more of an issue as we um, try and expand this program to the high school level as well. And I've since uh, moved institutions to LaSalle University, which is a D1 school. And um, as soon as I presented this to the athletic director there, he said, this sounds amazing. I want to present it to um, our student athletes, our coaches. Can you present it? I did. And um, he was all in and we've started it there. And with you know, so we started it and then, um, the pandemic happened. So, <laughs> um, so I've trained student athletes, uh, peer concussion educators, um, who are well-trained, but also could not then train their, <laughs> their teammates, but those things happen. Yeah. I, one other quick thing I'll say is kind of a humorous thing. One coach came up to me and he goes, uh, Bill, you know, I don't want to insult you or anything or sound like, you know, I'm insulting you, but this is, this idea is so simple. <laughs> and I said, that's not an insult. That's actually a compliment. And that's the idea. The idea is it just seems to resonate with a lot of people, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's 
harness the relationship of the team and, and student athletes to be part of it. They're not the only thing, you know, we're not suggesting that, uh, institutions not do what they're currently doing. We look at this as a way to augment it and enhance it. Um, but you know, that's some of the feedback I get, like, you know, wow, that's really a, a basic idea. And I'm like, yeah, well, it is. And now if it's too complicated, people aren't going to do it. So Thank you guys so much. Um, I do have a question from one of our. I do have a question from one of our listeners who um, sent this in beforehand, and they wanted to know what was the role of concussion prevention strategies in this. Did you guys include any education on prevention? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We. Uh, I mean, obviously, practicing safe. Uh, you know. When you're at practice, just avoiding any unsafe sort of activity with your teammate, um, you know, at, in games, obviously anything can happen. Um, talking about the avoidance of a secondary head injury um, and, uh, you know, just the educational portion of this is what to look out for, signs and symptoms of a concussion. We're, we're uh, in the first module where we, where we uh, implemented that. And you guys also did some education on the return to play from a clinical side of things. Did you see more compliance, Brendan, with return to play or attitudes change just anecdotally? Um, not that I can really, uh, other than the one story I did tell. Um, and I know that Bill did talk about since since the uh, pilot program that there has been an uptick uptick in reporting i think that it's been a combination just across the country of education legislation you know just really getting that knowledge out to people where uh they have just better information to 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 make a better decision and and to making that decision to to report and take care of themselves um, but I can't say like, I, you know, I think I was only there for another year or so after this pilot program. And then, you know, it wasn't much difference as far as, you know, we still had concussions in the fall, winter and spring. And, but as, as far as an uptake uptick, I can't really, you know, say to that. Yeah. Kara, when we debrief the peer educators during the pilot, one of the men's, and this is video of this is actually on our online manual. The manual has like little video tutorials. Brendan's on there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not wearing the cool hat and sweatshirt he has on now, but <laughs> he, he's on there. Um, but uh, one and, and the peer educators, most importantly, are on there. And, and one of the men's lacrosse players talked about, um, you know, when we, we explain RTP in the first education module, as Brendan mentioned, and he, some of the guys on the team would say, oh, that's why we got to yeah. do all that. You know, like, and, you know, if you think about any type of anything, whether it's a, a drug you have to take or a homework assignment a kid has to do, when you get an explanation of why you're doing it, you're much more likely to, to comply um, and, and do it. So that was one of the great things about having Brendan involved because he could you know, provide us with that, that process and help us explain it to the athletes and help train the peer educators about that. Like we're not just running you through these hoops for fun, you know, and to mess with you. There's a, there's a scientifically or evidence-based uh, process. Right I don't know if Meredith, do you want to add anything? I know yeah, I think when we first presented the materials to them and explained the the pathophysiology and then explained the return to play protocol and how it tied into the pathophysiology, the student athletes gave us feedback that they really, really appreciated that. They really all of a sudden understood. So rather than just here are the steps in the return to play protocol, um, which many of them had either been through or seen a teammate go through. So many of them were somewhat familiar with the steps in the return to play protocol. So they understood that, but they didn't understand the why. They didn't understand how it correlated with what was going on in the brain and the reasons for the return to play protocol. So understanding the reasons not only helped them to understand what was the return to play protocol and the, the reasons for it, they really, really appreciated understanding why the return to play protocol was what it was. And that was 
sort of the reason why we we assessed actually their understanding of it because we really wanted to see if they were really understanding the return to play protocol and their appreciation for it, to be honest with you. Um, and, and Brendan was really instrumental in, in um, putting that piece in the education module, but also in helping us to understand how the student athletes would, would have an understanding of that return to play protocol. Mm-hmm. It was great. But the, the student athletes really, really gave us a, a reflection of how important that was for them to, to understand. So prior to that, their understanding was just like, Oh, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And after their understanding was, oh, I understand why I have to do this. Sure. And anyone that has a concussion is, you know, there's always a concussion and an evaluation and then a consultation of what the next steps are and why. Uh, this was just great because it was, you know, presented from the peers, the peer edu- uh, educators and, and they're, and like, I, th- I think that that is a huge part of it. You're hearing it from your buddy um, mm-hmm. that's on the field with you and, that is, that's a big aspect. Absolutely. So thank you guys again so much for talking. And there's so many things that um, this program is very multifaceted and there were different, so many different layers of development and taking feedback that I really recommend this um, to anybody who's further interested. And if any of our listeners are interested in potentially implementing this in their own clinical practice, what resources are available for them? Well, the way to to access it is um, our online manual, which the links can be found in both of the articles. Um, and through um, Chestnut Hill College's website. Bill, did you yeah. want to? If you go to Chestnut Hill College and you just Google the Center for Concussion Education and Research, um, there's a link to the online manual there. Um, and there's also, as Meredith mentioned, in both of the articles in press with JET, there's links directly to the manual. Um, so you have to read the article. <laughs> but if or, you read the article, <laughs> you'll find the link. that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so that's, it's, it's pretty easy to get to, but, um, just, uh, chc.edu, um, just getting to Chestnut Hills website, get it, get you to it. And the manual is really, it's a step-by-step. So the entire program was meant to be utilizing the manual, um, without any intervention. So, and the entire, um, RCT paper is about how anybody could pick up the manual and utilize it without interference. So our role was with anybody who utilized it was just our research part of it. And the utilization of it was on its own. It's a very good point. Working with My Matters and the NCAA, they really wanted something that was scalable and could be disseminated broadly. And that was the idea for the online manual. So once you click on it, there are all the steps to implement the uh, program are laid out, all the procedures, what personnel are needed or recommended, and then all the educational materials are embedded in it. It's really easy to follow. And, you know, Meredith, you want to just briefly touch on the RCT, the athletic trainer debrief? So inside the um, RCT paper um, is a debrief from the athletic trainers who implemented the program. So the athletic trainers gave us feedback about how they felt it was, like how it was to actually utilize it. Um, and overall, they gave us really good feedback, um, and they gave us feedback of, about some things that were negative as well. Mostly, they said it was um, the materials were very easy to access, so the online manual was easy to access. The um, education materials were interactive. Um, the student athletes really enjoyed the online um, materials. The worksheets that we talked about earlier were very interactive, and the student athletes really enjoyed those. Um, they did say that the science was a little bit intense sometimes and that there was some variability. So that like words like pathophysiology um, tripped some student athletes up. Uh, well, we know that. Um, and so we've, we've toned down that a little bit. Um, they also talked about that there's some variability among some of the peer concussion educators. So you'll have a little bit of variability from one student athlete to another. Um, so there are some, some limitations. Um, the other thing that we know is very difficult is timing. And one of the things that I always say is that if you want to find the um, busiest student on campus, you find a student athlete. Um, and so timing and scheduling of this is difficult. It takes, um, 
two hours total, an hour, 45 minutes to an hour to train the student, the peer concussion educators, and then about 45 minutes to an hour for the student athlete, peer concussion educators to train their team. Um, we do recommend, if possible, to do that during preseason. Um, that's probably the time you're going to find best. We weren't able to do that during this, and that made it more difficult. So to find the easiest way to do that would be um, to do that during preseason, probably. Um, Bill, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I would say just that it's the team commitment is 45 to 60 minutes. So mm -hmm. a lot of times when I talk with the coaches, they're like, oh, no problem. We'll just work this into a team meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and then the, the peer educators obviously have about 45 minutes to train them and then they have to deliver it to their teammates. So they have about a two hour commitment. But I think one of the other things that's very innovative about this program is that's the program proper, but then the peer educators are now embedded on that team. Right. So it's not like a one-time thing. They are there now as a resource, as a liaison between the coaches, the athletic trainers, and the team. They're there off the field, social settings, um, to be role models, to, to be someone that someone can talk to if they're concerned about themselves or another teammate. So they're, they're constantly present. Um, so that's one of the things about the program that we, we like. Um, it's a hard variable to measure but it's one that we feel is very important. And I think one that we've seen anecdotally from our implementation on our own campuses that really does make a difference. So the, the peer educators and the teammates do know their, their friends, their student athlete friends really, really well. And they notice when there's something going on. Um, and again, like Bill said, it's, it's impossible to measure, but what we hear is that they're noticing things. So something's going on, something's off. And I'm, I might say something to the athletic trainer. I might say something to my coach, um, or, but you know, we, we can't measure that and, and we wouldn't want to really. But um, the other thing that, um, that works really well to uh, train the peer concussion educators and their teammates is um, if you give them pizza. <laughs> That works for all college students, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, if it's in your athletic budget, we just happen to know that that works really well. And when all else fails, maybe some Chipotle. Yeah, that was when the pizza started to get old. I had to pull out all the stops and get Chipotle. Then it go to the high end. <laughs> yeah, we had to go a little bit higher end. But um, yeah, but pizza, and if, if that doesn't work, then... <laughs> okay. yeah, we were we were worried we were going to get flagged with the, with our grant administration and the NCAA because like the pizza bill is it was really high. Yeah, men's lacrosse eats a lot of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So as we're closing up, um, where do you guys see this going in the future? The, the program was always designed to scale up and scale down. So, um, and our student athletes actually, when we, when we did a focus group told us, you guys need to take this to, you know, if you really want to change the culture of concussion, um, this needs to start at a younger age. So, um, scaling it to the, the middle school, <coughs> high school level, um, and even to the military, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, Bill and I are, working with colleagues to develop this at the high school level and possibly the middle school level, um, because it really is a small modification to change it for that level. And um, as Brendan can attest, uh, it's needed at the high school level. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, just being the sole athletic trainer at a high school, I mean, I have three levels of football that I would love to get these kids uh, you know, understanding what a concussion is. Um, you know, I, in the fall is my busiest season. I see so many injuries. Um, and if I have kids that have the right information in front of them about concussions and how to treat it and, and, you know, how we can get you back on the field, then that's, that's exactly what I want to be implemented at my school. But, you know, it's going to take a lot more than just one athletic trainer at a high school to do that. Like we were lucky to have four at Chestnut Hill and that I could be pulled away, uh, you know, in the evenings to, to be a part of this. Um, I could see that being a huge challenge. 
um, at the high school level because of funding, because of just compliance coaches wanted wanting to do it. Um, I know that there's still some old school train of thought, you know, rub some dirt on it and you're good. Uh, that unfortunately that I, I still have to deal with and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you gotta be diligent. You gotta be really, uh, committed to, you know, what you know is true and, and, and treating these kids, uh, to the best of your ability. And, you know, thankfully at Chestnut Hill college, we had amazing support up and down, uh, you know, coaches, admin staff, every, everybody was just amazing. And if we can get people on board like that at the high school level, then we are, we're good to go. Uh, I think it'd be a great step forward. Yeah, I, I would just like to, to second that. Um, we, 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 as Meredith mentioned, the idea was how can we make this transferable? Mm-hmm. So when you really think about it, if, if, we, if you look at the military, um, you have the platoon versus the team or the unit. Um, and you could have peer educators that are you know, service members. So one of my doctoral students, uh, Latoya Small, she was a medical corpsman. She's a lieutenant in the Navy. So I picked her brain and I said, what do you think? How would this work? And she reviewed it. And she goes, oh, it would probably be a pretty easy kind of modification. Um, and then, as Meredith mentioned, we have a, a partnership we're developing with NYU's Concussion Center. And an athletic trainer there named Julia Drittel, um came to a presentation I gave at the sports neurology conference. And we started talking. Mm-hmm. And, that, and since we've had some meetings with them, because she does a lot of outreach, she's an athletic trainer at the concussion center that does a lot of educational outreach with high schools. Um, and Brendan doesn't fully know it yet, but he's getting dragged back into this, this uh, next uh, pro- uh, project where we uh, mm-hmm. um, try and modify this for high school students. So just make sure you have some spare time. Brendan. <laughs> no problem. Uh, accepted. I accept that challenge. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. It sounds like you guys have a lot of wonderful new initiatives coming our way here soon. So again, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Brendan, Meredith, Bill, it was a pleasure talking with y'all. Any parting words? Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. And again, you know, we're very grateful to the NCAA and DOD My Matters Educational Programs Challenge who uh, provided us with financial support and consultation. And just to reiterate what Brendan mentioned at Chestnut Hill College, there has been strong support. Uh, the athletic trainers, the director of athletics, vice president of student life, academic affairs, um, across the board, you know, everybody there, the, the website folks, um, videographers, all, all came together to really help us make this a pretty successful project. Thank you, guys. And just a reminder for everybody watching and listening, all of the these companion manuscripts and all of JIT's material is available free of charge thanks to the National Athletic Trainers Association. Thank you guys again for joining me on Jat Chat. Chat.